brick and mortar, you can usually see a line coming. Mm-hmm. But in e-commerce, you, you can't. You can't see your customers. You don't know, you don't, a lot of times you don't know where they're coming from unless you have the data. Mm-hmm. And data is huge. And if you don't have the data, a lot of times you're not going to be able to grow. Hey there, and welcome to Headway, a podcast by Catapult Lakeland where entrepreneurs share practical tools and insights so that you can continue to generate ideas and innovate as you move your startup forward. My name is Kristen Strabridge, and I get to work at Catapult, an entrepreneur center in Lakeland, Florida that exists to foster the growth of startups by providing education, resources, and space. This week, I got to sit down and chat with Nate Kendrick, founder and marketing specialist at The Kendrick Company, and talk all about e-commerce. You will get to hear more about his story in a minute, but Nate started his first company just four years ago in 2016. But since he is curious, willing to take risks, and I would say an avid learner, it honestly felt like I was having a conversation with a seasoned business owner. The initial plan was to have an episode where we talked to Nate about five things to consider about e-commerce, but he ended up sharing so many good pointers and I didn't want you to miss out on anything that could provide value to your business. So we have broken this conversation up into two parts. Today, you'll get to hear about what Nate has learned growing both service and product-based businesses in the past, and he will dive into the first two focus points for succeeding in the e-commerce space. So let's jump on over to the beginning of this conversation with Nate Kendrick. Okay, so to Nate, to Nate, <laughs> perfect. That's why <laughs> restart. Okay. Cool. So today we are here with Nate Kendrick, and basically we're going to be talking about all things e-commerce. Not all things; it's super broad, but some very helpful things about it. First, will you just start by telling us about yourself and what you do? Yeah, definitely. So as Kristen said, uh, my name is Nathaniel Kendrick. Most people call me Nate. I started my first business back in 2016. It seems like forever ago now. Basically, what we did was social media marketing. We focused on small businesses specifically and it was when Snapchat was really changing and pivoting their model and doing a lot of marketing. So we basically were pitching these geo filters yes. and it was, yeah. So that was like the thing. And that was the, the, the rave back then we were hyper-focused on really helping small and localized businesses reach the millennial generation, right? They didn't know how to reach mm-hmm. them. So we focused on Snapchat and then we focused on Instagram as well. And that transitioned us to actually working with the LDDA and mm-hmm. we did some really cool things for them and did some cool projects where we, we basically named it Downtown Lakeland Spotlight, where we would come in and highlight small local businesses and do like a quick two minute video to talk about the business, who they are and what they've been doing and find out their story as well. Because in my mind, what was gonna draw people to Downtown Lakeland, especially the college students, is the stories of these small businesses and not just the business without a face. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. Yeah, it was cool. We learned a lot of things. I learned a lot. Uh, I built a team, had some interns, learned what to do, learned what not to do, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. And it was all learning curve. I really learned a lot about the online world and what Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, and really marketing in general, what that entailed, you know, how to use micro-influencers, how to represent yourself online, right? Mm-hmm. It's completely different than representing yourself 
in the real world. It's two separate things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to make sure that it's, it looks the same in the same sense, like you're communicating the same thing, but it has to be presented a different way, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I did that. And uh, one of my buddies that I grew up with, we've, we've known each other for forever. He reached out to me. He's like, hey, Nate, you know, we've always wanted to do things together, but we it was never right the right time, right? Mm-hmm. And so we basically were like, hey, man, you know, we want to do something. He was like, man, I've already kind of done a few things. What about like selling a product? And I was like, that'd be interesting. You know, I'm selling a service right now. It'd be interesting to sell a product. Mm-hmm. And so we talked about it and we said, well, do we want to start a website or, you know, what other options do we want to kind of potentially look into? And so we did some research and we found and stumbled ac- across this concept called Amazon FBA. I'd never heard of it before in my entire life mm-hmm. until I started doing research. I was like, what is that? Basically, for you at home that has no idea what that is, it's basically fulfillment by Amazon, where Amazon does all of the, the shipping for you, the basically the branding for you. All you have to do is set up the distribution, buy your product from the manufacturer, ship it to Amazon, and then Amazon basically does the work for you. Sweet. So, yeah, basically we said, okay, let's do some research. We stumbled, seriously stumbled across this product. And it was as random as it was. It was a fire-resistant bag. We're like, that's interesting. I've never heard of it before. What would people use it for? We started brainstorming and thinking about the different things people could use a fire-resistant bag for. Mm -hmm. And it made sense. It said, okay, like, let's let's sell this. Let's let's start. So we reached out to China, and (laughs) which is a whole different conversation (laughs) now. But it was it was 2018, so Mm -hmm. things were much different back then. Uh, so we reached out to China. We found a manufacturer that would work with us. And, and that's a huge thing that we can talk about a little bit later. It's huge mm-hmm. to find that. You have to set up your distribution right, which we learned much later. <laughs> but basically, we did that. We set everything up. We launched, oh, man, I think it was July of 2018. And I think August is when the California fires set off. And, mm. and, and, and it was huge. I mean, Kim Kardashian was tweeting about it. All these celebrities' homes were, were up in flames, and then regular people's homes were up in flames. And we were one of like maybe six or seven bags on Amazon that were selling fire-resistant bags of our size. We were the largest at one mm-hmm. point. And we took off. It was all about timing. We did really well. Like I said, again, we learned a lot. We learned what mm-hmm. not to do, what to do. Mm-hmm. We learned a lot about the value of brand equity and why a lot of businesses probably shouldn't be on Amazon at first. And, oh, man, I think it was 20, I think between 2019 and 2020, pivoted again. And so throughout this entire process, when I was working on my first business and when I was working on the fire-resistant bag business, I was always doing consulting on the side. All my friends and people that were friends of friends would always come to me and say, hey, Nate, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And because I sold services and products Mm -hmm. and I kind of understood what it entailed, I started kind of diving in deeper to say, okay, like, what is Shopify? What is Wix? Mm-hmm. What what are these different platforms? What is WordPress and, and what companies should be on these specific websites and why? Mm-hmm. And really understanding how customers think, why customers buy online. It was very interesting. Amazon, I will say this, if you can learn how to sell on Amazon, you have a pretty solid understanding of, of what to do when you're building your Shopify store, when you're building a WordPress store, when you're building a Wix store, because Amazon has really optimized the market and mm-hmm. they've really figured out what makes people buy 
what makes people say, I like this, it makes sense, let's go. Mm-hmm. And so I was really able to kind of plug those into the Shopify models and the Wix models and the WordPress models and help a lot of uh, small businesses and startups grow and, and scale. And, and that's when I looked at my girlfriend slash fiance, <laughs> now wife yeah. at the time, and I said, hey, babe, I, I really want to do something to help small and startup businesses grow specifically online. And it was around, you know, the time of the coronavirus. I'm like, a lot of these businesses, they need help. They just mm-hmm. don't, they don't know and understand e-commerce. And a lot of times these guys, they have very bare bone, minimal Facebook pages, Instagram pages, and you have to have that. Mm-hmm. If you have a website that you just built, but you don't have a Facebook, there's no social proof. So people are like, who are you? Mm-hmm. Especially if they don't, they're not physically walking into a store. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. And so that's where I'm at. We're helping small businesses. We're helping startups understand who their customer is first, understand who their brand is and how to properly represent that online. So wow. that was a very long-winded <laughs> no, uh, that's story very of what we're doing. Yeah. And I think it's important to see how the experience that you've had over the last four, five years plays into where you are now and what you're going to share with us throughout this podcast. Yeah, for so, sure. Appreciate all of that. Basically, we're going to be talking about e-commerce. And I think that a lot of people have heard about e-commerce. Obviously, it's a very hot topic right now with, like you said, the coronavirus. A lot of businesses are needing to move a lot of their operations online. So can we just start before we dive into anything else and you just kind of give us your definition of what e-commerce is? Yeah. So it's basic terms to me is buying and selling product and services online. That's the most basic concept I can think of. So it's not overwhelming to people. And if anybody knows what eBay is, if you think about eBay, it's majority of people selling products, but they're buying and selling products online. So Mm -hmm. right now you may not know it, but if you had Pokemon cards or if you have Pokemon cards, there's a lot of Pokemon cards now that are valuable. So say you were a kid in the early 90s and you bought a Pokemon card, if you held on to it, a lot of people are listing those on eBay and, and reselling them to people and people are buying them for thousands of dollars. That's e-commerce in its basic form, but it's a very powerful tool because you have the ability to, like I said, something that you bought in the early 90s as a kid that didn't really have value, but over time it built value. Now you're, you know, people are flipping it and making thousands of dollars. So, so yeah. yeah. Dang it. I should have gotten into Pokemon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a missed opportunity. Yeah, it, it was. Okay, but cool. We're going to go over, um, I would just say like five things that are extremely important to consider yeah. as people are moving toward e-commerce. And the first you've kind of touched on a little bit already, and I'd love to just go ahead and dive into it, is that it's just really important to know your customer. Yeah. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. I think it's huge. And I'll piggyback on my story that I told earlier about the fire-resistant bags. So the greatest thing of all with Amazon FBA is you have the ability to reach so many people because of the name, right? But when I think about the brand equity and knowing who your customer is, that's where you can kind of get strapped because Amazon, at least unless they change their model, they really never allowed us to, besides a name and a location, to know the age of our customer, to know Mm -hmm. basic information, right? So as far as like email marketing and retargeting, we didn't know. And that's the biggest thing as you build your brand, especially online, you're supposed to understand who your customer is and change basically what you're communicating to them and how you're presenting your brand so that you say certain keywords that resonate with them and you know what their pain points are and you know what they're going through so that when they see your product or service, you're saying specific keywords 
that makes sense to them based on their daily lives and things that they're going through. And they're like, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So for Amazon, at least in the model that we were working in, they didn't do that. And so it was tough as we began to try to like scale up, we didn't have the ability to really understand and communicate who our customer was. So yeah, that's why it's huge. It's huge to, it's huge to have that. Cause when you don't have that, it's like seeing in the dark. Mm -hmm. Well, one, when I think about e-commerce, I think about the difference between e-commerce and a brick and mortar. A brick and mortar, you can usually see a line coming, mm -hmm. but in e-commerce, you, you can't. You can't see your customers. You don't know. You don't. A lot of times, you don't know where they're coming from unless you have the data, mm -hmm. and data is huge. And if you don't have the data, a lot of times, you're not going to be able to grow, and you're not going to be able to know who to target and what to say. And you may be thinking, oh, uh, just for an example, my my audience is a 15-year-old kid that likes to play video games. You may think that until you actually start selling your product and you're realizing, actually, just kidding, he's 35 and he lives in North Dakota. Mm -hmm. you know? And based on that, you have to now change your message and change your pitch because what you're presenting to a 15-year-old and a 35-year-old is vastly different. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, for sure. What would you say are some of the important things, like if you're just like, these are maybe two or three things I would really want to know about my customer if I could. Yeah, that's a really good question. One is you need to know what their pain point is. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. If you know what their pain point is, then you can speak to them on a, a personal level. When you can communicate this is something that they're dealing with on a regular basis and you bring that to them and say, here is how I'm solving your problem, now they're going to say, wow, thank you. And what are they going to do? They're going to tell their friends. They're going to tell their family. And that's one of the most powerful forms of communication is word of mouth. Mm -hmm. So to me, like that's, that's the top one. Mm -hmm. As far as another one, you know, once you know their pain point, you need to understand your niche. So a lot of times mm -hmm. people are very broad with who their customer is and they don't know. They're like, oh yeah, my customer, I was talking to a, a client not too long ago and they said, I think our customer is anywhere, anywhere between 35 and 60 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's so broad. Mm -hmm. That's not really defined, right? Mm -hmm. So when you talk about, especially when you're first starting online, you need to have a hyper focus on who your customer is. You don't need to be too broad. Think about the generational gap when you're trying to give your, your grandma your phone and you're trying to show her a meme and she's like, what is that? Or you're trying to mm -hmm. show her how to maneuver Facebook and she's having a tough time. You're not going to present her the same things that you're going to present a 17-year-old or an 18-year-old. So that's huge. You need to have a hyper-focused, defined niche market. And then once you have that, hit their pain point. Mm -hmm. And once you hit their pain point, you can build that foundation. And guess what? As you be build the foundation, you will have customers outside of that niche come in and say, oh, I think that's valuable too. Now that's when you start building out different products. Yeah. No, that's super helpful. Yeah. Thanks for going into that. For sure. We laugh a lot here because we'll have you know, people who are just starting out their business and we'll be like, so who's your customer? And they'll basically say, as long as it's like a living, breathing human, <laughs> yeah. then they're my customer. And we're like, well, hopefully that'd be great if everybody liked it, yeah. but not how it typically starts. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. that's really important. For sure. So another thing you mentioned is important to consider is supply and demand. Mm. So kind of funny, every time I hear supply and demand or anything like that, like I'm literally back in my freshman macroeconomics <laughs> class, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I'm just seeing all these charts and it felt so hypothetical there, mm. I think. So how can you kind of describe 
supply and demand to us in a way that like it is important for entrepreneurs to understand for their business today. You know, it's funny because I was visiting my mom the other day and I was driving around in her neighborhood and there was a young girl. She was selling lemonade. Oh. And it made sense, right? You know, it's Mm -hmm. hot outside. It's really hot outside in Florida selling lemonade. But then it made me think about that question you just asked. And basically, say she has 100 glasses of lemonade. And it makes sense because it's hot outside. But because of times that we're in and how hot it is and how people maybe just want to get out and drive around their neighborhood because they're going a little crazy. Mm -hmm. Say there's a line of 200 people, right? Well, now she has a supply of 100 glasses or bottles of lemonade, but 200 customers. And that's the biggest mistake that sometimes people can make. They'll say, well, people, they'll understand, but a lot of times your first impression with your customer is everything. Mm -hmm. So it's important to have that balance because if you have too little supply and too much demand, what happens? Customers leave. Mm -hmm. And they usually don't come back unless you're giving them something of immense value. And that sometimes costs a lot. It's the same thing if you have too much supply and too little demand. Well, you start bleeding cash flow because you have inventory just sitting there. So say she had 200 glasses of lemonade Mm -hmm. and it's the winner Mm -hmm. and no one's coming around and she only has 10 customers every two or three months. She has all this inventory just sitting there. Mm -hmm. So you have to have that balance and that, and that's, you know, to me, when I was thinking, I was like, how yeah. can I make this make sense to someone that scrolling on Facebook, they see this video. Mm-hmm. To me, that's what makes the most sense is if you think about it in this basic form of the lemonade stand. And it's huge because so many people can can overlook that. Mm-hmm. They can say, oh, well, I'm not too worried about it. I'm going to overprepare or I'm going to underprepare. That's why it's important to, to have a soft launch of anything so you mm-hmm. can kind of get a feel for your market and get a feel for what went well, what went right, what went wrong. And you're able to maneuver a lot smoother at first because you don't have as many people per se, right? Or maybe you do, and then you're like, oh man, okay, I wasn't ready. But Mm -hmm. it's okay because it was a soft launch. Mm -hmm. And maybe your customers are a little bit more forgiving because they understand that. So that's, I think that's the key, especially when it comes to supply and demand, making sure that your customers understand where you're at. So in the lemonade stand, this young girl, you know, she's she's talking and her parents are basically, they present it and say, hey, this is Molly's uh, lemonade stand. She's doing a soft launch on Saturday. This is what she's doing. She wants to get some extra money, like setting up those expectations mm-hmm. for the customer. Expectations, yeah. That's where they're going to be like, okay, like we understand. We'll be back next week when she's, you know, more prepared. Mm-hmm. So, No, that's huge. A lot of times you have these expectations. I think about like, you know, like science class, right? Mm -hmm. It's like test your hypothesis. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing that people are missing right now is, especially in business, it's they're not testing their hypothesis. They're they're saying, oh, this is what I believe Mm -hmm. based on, but based on what? Mm -hmm. What data? Like you want to get actual raw data to see. So that's where the MVP, the minimal viable product, I always tell people, hey, you know, they pitch me an idea and I'm like, okay, sounds great but make the basic form of it, put it out in the market and see what they think. Mm -hmm. And you'll immediately find out. Yep. So, yeah, that's really great. I have been like everybody doing some online shopping recently Yeah. and I've been looking for a new couch. I don't need one. Like I have one, but I don't love it. (laughs) So I'm just kind of, you know, putting my feelers out about a new couch. Yeah. And I finally found one last night that was like pretty good price range, all the things. I liked the way it looked. 
and I clicked on the link and it said out of stock. Ugh. And like literally right away, I was like, well, I'm not going to even look at anything else on the rest of this website. And yep. I left. Yep. And I didn't even think about that being a supply demand issue on the back end for them. I was completely in consumer mode. Like, oh, well, I guess I'll find another one another time. Yep. And so they compl- they lost my business. They lo- exactly. And, and that's the thing. It's like so many times people don't think about it, but it's like, especially in business, it's like put, your si- put yourself inside of the customer. And it's like, well, how do I do that? It's like you are a customer, mm-hmm. right? You shop for things online. You shop at the grocery store. And based on your positive or negative experiences, that's how you behave. Mm-hmm. And so you have to really kind of put yourself in the mind of the customer and say, okay, what what is what is this business doing really well during this time and what what, are, what is what is this business doing that i'm like oh i don't i don't i don't quite yeah. like that yeah. mm-hmm. so very interesting yeah. all right so that is where we are going to pause this conversation with nate for now i feel like it's talked about a lot in the startup communities but as he mentioned it is so important to know your customer and get as much data as you can about who they are where they go, what platforms they use, so that as you're building out your e-commerce store, you can best target and use the keywords that they will be looking for and that will speak to them. Also, supply and demand. Trying to figure out how to best meet the demand that your customer has in order to keep your costs down is very important. And it's always good to start gauging who your customer is and what demand there is in the market for your product by doing something like a soft launch. So those are definitely two great points that he started off with. And it's no wonder to me why so many of his friends started asking him for advice about their businesses and startup ideas. Nate is just a thoughtful guy who learns from every opportunity and is wise beyond his years. If you enjoyed this conversation with Nate, you can learn more about his newest company by visiting thekendrickcompany.com. That's the K-E-N-D-R-I-C-K company.com. And you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it so that you can be notified when part two of this conversation is released. We will be back with another episode soon, but until then, keep making headway.